0: Previously
1: on the Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: I don't, I don't. Yet every Passover you put enough horseradish out on the table. To I, well,
1: I use to horseradish. Your... I don't consider horseradish hot sauce because horseradish. Correct me if I'm wrong. Gene, isn't horseradish a natural? It's, it's a root. natural. It yes. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's what it is. I mean, you're not. That's not chemically manufactured. Well,
2: pepper-based
3: uh, it's sauce is natural. Rated. Yeah. So yeah. I so.
1: once knew a man who owned a
3: horseradish farm.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to yeah, do that a... That sounds like a Coen yeah. Brothers movie setup. or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah.
3: The Tony Kornheiser
1: Show is on now. So I hope that everybody had clear skies last night and this morning and was able to see the bright full moon. Beautiful Michael, morning. did you
0: take the boys out to see it? Yeah, let me just rewind for the last two nights for those. I, if you have young kids, you know that right before bedtime is a very important witching hour where toys are dropping on toes, people are getting cut up, little Henry's ramming into the big boy. And every night, I just get a text, make sure you take the boys out to see the moon. Not see the full moon. tonight, two nights ago, not right, full, right. but beautiful and clear, so maybe you can see it. I took the boys out. We couldn't see it where we were, and I wasn't going to go down the street. I've never seen those little, little boys more disappointed. But last night, to Liz's dismay, shoes off, no jackets, we went outside to go look at the moon. And
1: wasn't it beautiful? Wasn't it worth it? We
0: stared in wonder. Yeah, the moon was great. It
1: is, by the way, a wolf moon. And the reason it is called a wolf moon, according to legend, is that this particular moon, the first full moon of the new year, is the one where wolves would go out and bay at the moon. And this was, this was a phenomenon noticed by, I guess, farmers and people that lived in the country where the wolves were, and so it became known as a wolf moon. Not, as I said on PTI yesterday, because it was named after wolf blitzer. No, it's the wolf moon. <laughs> uh, in other weather news, we are expecting a giant snowstorm Sunday and Monday. We are expecting, Kevin delightedly texted me yesterday, 12 plus, very, very happy Kevin believes it's twelve plus. On my weather apps, I have a thirty-five percent chance of twelve plus, twelve to eighteen. So, in the so event, seasonal
0: still sixty-five percent to account for.
1: Well, but well, ten percent is eighteen plus. So I have fifty-five percent. Yeah, like, okay. Uh, so what does
0: the other fifty-five percent say? Because I believe that's still over half.
1: Yeah, it start it starts at four to eight, and then goes eight to twelve.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it's a lot of snow. We're trusting an app that you've not closed in the background of your
1: phone for now years. It's, it's, it's a lot of snow. Doug Cameron on Channel 4, very excited about a lot of snow. I'm sure Melissa Molay happily planning to put her kids out in the snow, although some of her <laughs> kids are so small that if it's 12 to 18, her kids, you know, you're not going to find those kids. I'm worried about the dog. But I, I don't knew, know. I, I mean, I'm going to try and do the show because I do it in my house. So I just want you to know, though, that that, that is on the horizon Quite literally for us, and now with the way weather is forecast, you can go five, six days out and and make people panicked. Um, I talked about the Sketchers the other day, the extra Sketchers, which are quite good. I mean, I've tried them both on. That's a dog howling at something outside, but not so, the moon anymore. So the
0: Sketchers passed your first test, which yes. is your your walk at a certain pace.
1: Yeah, that that one pair so of Sketchers was good. Walk. Yeah, one pair of Sketchers was good for that, and another pair seems to be good around the house. I have thrown out a pair of my boat shoes that were old and decaying and decrepit, much like myself. And those went out for the new Sketchers. But equally as important, I find out everybody who listens to this show knows that I really enjoy Payday candy. Payday candy bars made with two totally natural ingredients. Peanuts and caramel. They exist in nature, peanuts and caramel. So they're good for you. And I like them when I play golf because they never get mushy. They're always good. They're always tasty. They're salty and sweet at the same time. They're very, very nice. And I've talked about it here. I don't know that I've ever talked about it on PTI. The other day to the PTI studio came a box. Apparently Payday is made by Hershey's, which I did not know. The Hershey's Candy Company is the, the maker and purveyor of Payday candy bars. Five or six or eight or 10 or 12, actually, different boxes with about 25 to 40 paydays (laughs) in each box. And I told Bonnie, who always simply opens my mail. You know, I'm not crazy about (laughs) that. How do you think
0: you got the mail?
1: You know, I mean, Bonnie Bonnie reached
0: out to Hershey. I don't know. But you always have Hershey Kisses around the office. I
1: do. I like Hershey Kisses and I like Hershey Chocolate. I do. But I I don't talk about this on television. And yet the giant box... Came on television. Kellerher dropped it off the other day. I gave Kelleher a box. I've asked Michael if you want a box. I gave Tracy a box. I still have four boxes left over, which is more than enough for a year of candy, because it's like the hundred and six. Well, to start
0: storing them away in your golf bag.
1: Yeah, well, but I the golf bag's at Columbia at the moment. Anyway, I wanna if if it if if this is as a result of something that was said on the podcast, let me say thank you very much to Hershey's for that and to Payday, because I do indeed like Payday. Now I want to get to something that I find remarkable. I get a letter yesterday to my house. Michael, would you just tell the people what the return address is? What does it say?
0: Ooh, heaven.
1: Is, it says heaven. And what is the name on the back? Return to sender. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. So I open this up. I open this up. And I'm going to read this. It also comes with a card, a picture of Burt Reynolds, and a card that says Burt Reynolds. On the top of the stationery is Burt Reynolds' signature. In a lovely, thin script, Burt Reynolds. Can you see that, Michael? Beautiful. From six foot one inches away on Uncle Benny's table. Now I'm going to read it. And it's single space and it's typed, which is what old people do. Dear Tony, you must be delighted to receive a letter from America's favorite actor and 1970s sex symbol, Mr. Burt Buddy Reynolds. Ever since my death, I've had a lot of time on my hands. And even though the Wi-Fi down here in heaven is a little spotty, might have something to do with the heat, I've recently discovered the world of podcasts. Yours is one in particular I have enjoyed. However, hearing you recently proclaim, everything in my life is 30 years old and it's time for me to go. I felt compelled to urge you not to hurry. Heaven ain't what it's cracked up to be. As I mentioned, it's hot. In addition, God is always poking at you with his three-pointed staff, and worst of all, they give you a roommate. Mine, a serial killer from Tulsa, screams in his sleep. Not to mention that as soon as they plop you into the ground, your family auctions off all your possessions and mouth-breathing fans bid on everything from your Golden Globe Awards to a donut you didn't finish. Some idiot will even buy all of your unused stationery for God knows what purpose. Anywho... The other reason I wanted to write was to correct you on something. Since I have nothing but time, I've done a deep dive into your podcast. And when I got to the one recorded on September 7th, 2018, I was surprised to see that it was entitled R.I.P. Turd Ferguson. You got to my obit about 58 minutes in. Not exactly A1. I wonder where Glenn Rifkin would have put it. Nonetheless, <laughs> I appreciate the nice things you said about my charm and charisma, but I took umbrage with one line in particular. You said, quote, nobody ever said he was a great actor, unquote. This is false. I know that because I myself would constantly tell people what a great actor I was. Hope I don't see you in person anytime soon, but if you find yourself feeling ill, do me a favor and grab an extra pair of sketches on your way out. I'm a size 11, but for a free pair of kicks, I could manage to squeeze into a 10 and a half. Love, dead Burt Reynolds. P.S., a new guy showed up this morning. He went out on his bike last night and wore black. This has the fingerprints of Greg Garcia all over it to me. <laughs> to me. It's brilliant. It's totally brilliant. And it also means that Greg somehow got Burt Reynolds stationary. Now, if it isn't Greg, we need to add somebody brilliant to the list of brilliant people who listen to this show. Because I I can't tell you how wonderful I feel about this, just completely great but it's got to be Greg, doesn't it, Michael? It has to be.
0: It'd only be better. It can't if, be if, Melman. If Norm- Melman
1: doesn't, Melman listens. But Melman wouldn't go down this road this as deep. Inv-
0: this is a very involved bit. Now it'd only be better if you could read this in Norm McDonald's voice, chewing the gum.
1: Yeah, it's just so. <laughs> it's so great. Everything <laughs> about it is great. Everything about it it's is great. Perfect. The actual paper used is yeah, the right. It's, it's Bird Reynolds. Right quality. It's Bird Reynolds. It show. I guess Greg somehow got his hands on Burt Reynolds' stationery. Because I don't think he would have gone... Well, he might have gone for the half-eaten donut and put it in a box or something. (laughs) But it sounds like Greg got his hands on stationery. Somebody Greg knows got their hands on Burt Reynolds' stationery. It's When I got this the other day, I I thought immediately of what a great thing to open the show with. I mean, it's just so great, right?
0: Nigel, it's just great.
1: It's just a wonderful...
0: it is why I love Greg so much. He's just, I mean, I'm assuming like you, the, the second you started reading, I was like, oh, this sounds like Greg. Definitely sounds and again, like a- if it's not Greg,
1: if it is wanna- not Greg, we, we got to know who it
0: is. Yeah, we got to open up the books, add a new name. Yeah, because yeah. it's just, it's fantastic.
1: Because whoever this is, we need to have this person
0: on the show. I mean who are now, now go through the process of now, me, printing out an envelope with return address. Heaven. 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 Yeah. heaven. Now <laughs> to me, now the tip one of the
1: tip offs to me is is it is mailed from Santa Clarita, California. So that's that's of course I it, it, that eliminates unless so? somebody flew out there to confuse me, unless <laughs> Mike Breen is that smart and he flew out there to confuse me, although he could have been out there doing a game. I also I will say that Breen B- Breen's name came up too. Breen was my second choice on this. Greg was my first. But if Breen did it, Breen sent me a text the other day that was hysteric. Did I say this on the air? Did I talk about this, this? while he was
0: doing the game? While he was doing the game. Yes, yeah, so you can share this.
1: I texted him during the game. Breen's doing a game. I texted him during the game. And I said in this text, I said it is, in my, at my old age, it is one of my perverse pleasures to text people while they're on television. I do this with Chuck Todd, I do this with Steve Sands, I do this with Michelle Tafoya, I do this with Carl Bernstein, and I said, this is an eclectic list and I do it with you. And I was watching the game or something and it was a Philadelphia 76ers game and I said that I hated Joel Embiid. And he writes and I said, and at the end I said, say hello to Doris for me, because he's doing the game with Doris, Doris Burke. I wish I had my phone in front of me and I could quote this verbatim, but I'm gonna be very, very close. And he just said, I, you know, I'm just sort of wondering, do you hate Embiid because of his game or do you hate Embiid because of his personality? And, and he said, um, and Doris just said, and I quote, go to hell. This made me <laughs> laugh out loud for a minute, for a full minute. That was so funny, the notion. Now, maybe Doris said that. I don't think so. Maybe Dar said that, but that he ended it with, and Dar said, and I quote, go to hell. I thought that was so funny. So as And I've always told you that I think Breen is hysterically funny, although you don't yes. see it on games. I mean, he, that's not what he's doing when he's doing the games. So Greg is one, and, and Breen is two, who could have done this. And if somebody else did it, you're my idol. One, one other thing, and this, is, um, this was given to me today by Nigel. Uh, this is by Ron Cabuno, C-A-B-U-N-O. Just reaching out in hopes you can deliver a shout out to my dear friend, Mr. Luke Beard. Long story short, a fainting episode and a trip to the hospital last Friday ended up with surgeons performing emergency surgery that very same day to remove a baseball-sized tumor from his brain. Through the miracles of modern medicine, he was able to talk to me via telephone the very next morning and was released from the hospital within the next 48 hours. The doctors say it may have been growing in his head for up to 5 to 10 years. They're still waiting on biopsy results, but they are cautiously optimistic as these types of tumors are quite often benign. We've both been littles and evangelists of the Church of the Orange for a very long time. Not sports reporters long, but close. So as he's at home now recovering and no doubt catching each and every episode of the show, I was hoping you could give him a hearty lachiserie as well as wish him a full and speedy recovery. Yours in bald brotherhood, Ron Kabuno. P.S. So glad to have Gary back. Michael has definitely grown on me and I think I speak for many when I say, we can't wait to hear your studio full of the old familiar voices again real soon. Except Lace, he can eat it. <laughs> so I thought I would pass that along to everybody and say that, okay, we are done with this segment. We will come back with Tim Kirchgen. Am I right on that? Tim Kirchin when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This
4: is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: This is the Brooklyn and ad, and it says, pick one or ad lib. So I'm going to pick this one. Have you ever said to yourself, I love the fact that I've had the same few pair of sheets since just after college and I never liked them then, but I just keep washing them every week or two and putting them back on the bed like it's totally normal? Well, stop it. Linen can make that voice in your head and the bad sheets on your bed go away. Linen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Linen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. It's 2021. Do something nice for yourself to start the new year. To help you do that, Brooklinen has a special offer. And may I just add parenthetically, as I've told you many times, I not only have Brooklinen stuff, I've spent my own money for it. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code TonyKShow to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more. That's 25% right there at $100. Plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter the promo code TonyKShow to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. brooklinen.com. Use the promo code TonyKShow at
0: checkout. Use the code, people. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. price and coverage match limited by state law this is the tony kornheiser show
1: this is sent to us by andy mcbride who writes after years of dishonoring our musical heroes by trying to jam their songs in basements across the denver area my brother and i started a band called the mixed apes and made an album of originals it's much easier to get our songs right you know because we wrote them I've attached a couple of songs from our first album that may find their way onto your podcast. If they don't make the cut, so be it. But if they do, eat it, Carrie. I told you we were good enough for radio. This is called Wide Open Spaces from the Mixed Apes. They'll be back with us at the, at the next break. And this is a rejoin for Tim Kirkchin. And before we get to Tim, I am reading this from a long time, long time, both listening and writing. Kenny Ray in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. As a lifelong Atlanta Braves fan, I wanted to add my voice to the many baseball fans who mourn the death of Henry Aaron. I'm a man, I'm 60, and I regret that I never got to meet Hank Aaron just to spend a couple of minutes in the presence of not just the greatest baseball player who ever lived, but a real hero for dealing with the hatred he had to endure as he surpassed Babe Ruth's home run record. In my book, Hank Aaron is the true home run king. I also wanted to mention the terrific remembrance that Tim Kirchin had about Mr. Aaron on Friday. Tim said that in his 41 years covering baseball, and let's say that again, boys and girls, 41 years covering baseball, the highlight of his career was the night Hank Aaron joined him in the booth on an ESPN baseball broadcast for four innings telling baseball stories. Kirchin said he checked Twitter after the game, which he never does, and someone posted the following, and I quote, If anyone ever looks at you the way Tim Kirchin was looking at Hank Aaron tonight, marry her. That's just (laughs) wonderful. Just (laughs) Wonderful. It's just great, and I'm really I'm thanking Kenny Roy for, for doing that. You found that. What did you think when you found that on social media? You must have laughed out loud.
2: I did. We were in the middle of a celebration after that game. The producers, Dave Fleming, Eduardo Perez, and myself, because it was the greatest night of our entire professional lives. And we're sitting around drinking beers and eating pizza after that game, just reveling in Hank Aaron and how Billy Williams came on and Billy Williams and Hank Aaron going at each other in such a playful way. It was absolutely beautiful, and that's when I saw that thing on Twitter, which, again, never a good idea to check that after a game. (laughs) And I told that story at the table, and we all laughed out loud. And it was true. Tony, I stopped keeping score of a game I was covering. I have never stopped keeping score of a game I was covering because I no longer cared about the game. All I cared about was I was sitting next to Hank Aaron, and the stories he told were so good. He was so kind. He was so gentle. He was so funny, and he had complete recall on everything. It was the most magical night I've ever had as a baseball writer, and I repeat, that's 41 years
1: was there well 41 i've been doing this for 50 so i'm not gonna go to your 41 i'll just see your 41 and raise your 50 um but was there is there any other athlete uh that was that was number one before that is there any other encounter you had where you said this is so great i'm so happy to have had this moment and this is why i got in the business
2: well uh, i interviewed hank Aaron and willie mays together At the Hall of Fame, Mm. which was pretty Mm. cool. And about 15 minutes before that, I interviewed Ted Williams, who was my dad's baseball hero growing up. So real quickly, they told me, it was a tape interview, you get three questions with Ted Williams. Two minutes, that's it. I said, really? That's it? So he answers the first two questions. The third question he takes in a direction where I didn't think he was going to go. And it was like the greatest five-minute answer to a question in the history of questions. And I have my producer slashing his throat behind me like, cut him off. Cut him off. No, no. No, you don't cut off Ted Williams. No. Williams, you've got to be (laughs) kidding me. I don't care if it's on live TV. I am not cutting off Ted Williams. It never made air because they only ran the first two questions that I asked because we had a time constraint. But until the night I met Hank, I didn't meet him, the night I interviewed Hank Aaron for an hour and a half, before that was meeting uh, Ted Williams and interviewing him and then doing Hank Aaron and Willie Mays at the same time. That was a pretty good day, too.
1: It's one of the things when people say, why did you become a sports writer? Because it's not, sports writing was not a lot of money in it. You know, why did you become a sports writer? And it's because there are psychic benefits. And one of those psychic benefits is standing with somebody that you have admired for a long period of time. And most of the time, having him treat you not like dirt most of the time, but actually answering your questions because that's part of the deal. That was really good. Let me get to the Hall of Fame since you just mentioned a whole lot of Hall of Famers no inductions this year. Are you okay with that?
2: Yes, I'm okay with that, even though I voted for eight guys. So I thought eight guys deserve to go in, but clearly that was not going to happen. But I'm okay with the voting process. we got 400 baseball writers who really love what they do. At least most of us really love what we do. And they voted the way they wanted to vote. So I don't think it was the worst thing ever that nobody got in. I think what bothered me was just the anger and the hatred and all the bad feelings around uh, the, the voting process. It's supposed to be a celebration when when the voting comes out. And even though nobody got in, it doesn't mean we should just be so angry and hateful. But that's what I saw. That's what I saw on Twitter aimed at some of the players, certainly aimed at the media, and I just think it defeats the whole point that baseball has a day in January to tell everyone, look, this is a celebration day. Somebody might go in the Hall of Fame today. But instead of that, we got, we got hatred and anger. Instead, maybe explaining how much better Billy Wagner did and how Todd Helton moved up the list. and how Scott Rowland someday is going to be a Hall of Famer based on the 17% increase that he got. But we didn't talk about any of that. We talked about what obviously is the most important thing, and that's the three guys top who didn't get into the Hall of Fame.
1: Barry's Verluga wrote a column saying that the whole thing has to be overhauled. I love Barry. I don't happen to agree with that. But I am concerned about the character question, because as I looked at the character clause, in my head, it said character related to baseball, which to me is cheating. It doesn't mean character related to the rest of the world to me. How do you interpret the character clause? Because I think, I think we have to go to the distinction between Curt Schilling not getting in and Bonds and Clemens not getting in.
2: Right. The character clause is ambiguous. It's very difficult to decipher. And every person has a different look at the character clause. I look at it, I'm, I'm gauging these guys on what they did as baseball players. And I voted for Bonds and Clemens every year, which, again, separates me, I think, from you, Tony. And that's okay, too. And I'm not proud of voting for both of those guys. I just think that when they played, there was a tacit agreement going on in Major League Baseball that a lot of people are doing this. Nobody is testing Nobody is checking. No one's going to get in trouble. I'm not condoning any of this. It just seemed to me that a whole lot of people were doing it at that time. They were being encouraged to do it. And that's what separates Bonds and Clemens, at least in my mind, from, say, Manny Ramirez, who got 28% of the vote, because his violations occurred after they were checking and after they were testing. I think there's a difference there. But I have trouble with the whole character clause. I'm not comfortable being the moral arbiter of all things and I'm just a little bit disturbed that this thorny steroid issue has been taken by Major League Baseball and flipped it in the rights, right uh, laps of the writers and said, you guys figured this out and I'm just not sure we're good enough to do that.
1: So I would vote all of them in and I would just make sure that I, not only that, I'd have an exhibit of the steroid era and have them all in that and I would explain on the plaque you know, the, I would explain the controversies, but I would have them in. It is impossible for me to believe on two people, and 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 there's different types of cheating. There's two people, the guy who had the most hits of all time and the guy with the most home runs of all time. It's impossible for me to believe that they should not be in the Hall of Fame. That's obviously Rose, Rose and Bonds. Schilling is different. Schilling seems to be being kept out on personality issues, on politics issues, on social uh, belief issues. Um, how do you stand on that? Did you vote for Schilling?
2: Yes, I have voted for Schilling every year. Um, some of the things that he has said and the way he has said them have made me uncomfortable to say they're hateful. In the last they're hateful. Yeah. Last year, he has made me very uncomfortable. However, I am still voting on him as a pitcher from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I covered his major league debut when he was on the Orioles. I've, I've got to know him pretty well. He was even a teammate of mine at ESPN for a long time. And I enjoyed being around him, but something has changed with him and some of the things that he said and the way he said them has been really troublesome to me. And yet I still vote for him. Uh, but he's not getting in on the writer's ballot next year. He sealed that one. And he, just, sure. he thinks, I'm sure, that he'll get in on the Veterans Committee ballot, which he will someday. He'll be on that ballot. I've been in four of those committees in my, in my life, Tony. And uh, it's, sometimes it's easier to get in when there are only 16 voters, and sometimes it's harder to get in. So I don't think there's any guarantee that the Veterans Committee is going to get him or anyone else in for sure.
1: Well, we were led to believe that there would be a regular spring training and a regular 162-game season. The owners didn't want it. The players were insistent on it. The players have apparently also rejected a universal DH and expanded playoffs. It seems to me that no matter what is put forth for the players, that they just scream 162 because they just want to get paid. Where are we? I mean, didn't the state of Arizona just say, we don't even want you to be here for spring training? Where are we realistically?
2: Well, I think I don't see us starting spring training on time. And if we're we're late to spring training, I'm guessing here, Tony, I think we're going to be late getting to the season also. Now, we're going to play more than 60 games. We have a shot to play 162. And even two weeks ago, I was encouraged that everything was going to start on time. But when the state of Arizona said, we're not real comfortable starting spring training here, and Florida isn't doing particularly well either, and COVID is still way ahead in this race, I think we have to be really cautious and really smart about this. I also don't see any way that we're going to return to the media coming into the clubhouse before and after games. I think we're going to be in a Zoom situation. I think a bunch of broadcasters, including myself, will be doing games from home or from the studio. So I think we're a long way away from being a normal season upcoming. I just hope we get it going a whole lot quicker than we did last year. But again, COVID will tell us when we're going to play.
1: Nobody has sympathy for owners because nobody can relate to owners. People have sympathy for players because it's a much larger group. But if I owned a sports team in hockey or in baseball, those in particular. I say, well, what am I doing spending all my money? I can't bring people into the seats. I can't get any concessions. My local TV contracts don't pay for everything that I have to pay for. And so I don't don't really want to do it. And they are cutting back on broadcasters. They are cutting back on a lot of things. And another thing they seem to be cutting back on is long-term deals. I know George Springer got one, and I guess Trevor Bauer is going to get one. But a lot of people are getting one-year deals – because I guess owners are saying, I I just, I don't know how I'm going to make money. Do I have that? Do I have that sort of the calculus of that correct? Or is there another reason these one-year deals are coming around?
2: No, I think that's it, Tony. And it's hard to have compassion for a a millionaire owner, but uh, those guys lost a lot of money last year. I think that that is real. And I think We all have to understand that. So that's why players are getting one-year deals, and that's why there are so many free agents out there with no contracts yet, and that's why the owners are so worried moving forward because they don't even know if there will be fans in the stands and if so, how many. And then even if they let people in, they're not sure how many people are going to want to come in. So it's a very complicated situation, and of course it's even more complicated that the – collective bargaining agreement it ends after the 2021 season so this is a very very complicated and tricky time for all the people in baseball
1: yeah i love baseball i hope they i know we'll have some baseball but i don't think 162 is realistic um i'll get you out of here on one henry aaron question and i've been so impressed with how impressed so many people have been over the years with henry aaron uh, who was in as hard as that was as stressful as it was to chase down Babe Ruth? Uh, he was the right person at the right time to do that. In the way that Jackie Robinson was the right person at the right time to bring people into baseball who had never been allowed to be there before. In my mind, and I'm 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 not going to jump up and down about this, but in my mind, I think of Henry Aaron as the home run king, not Barry Bonds. And I have enormous respect for Barry Bonds. I really do. I mean, he would be a Hall of Famer in my mind without any steroids. I mean, he was a great player. But in my mind, it's Henry Aaron. How about in your mind? Because you, you, may, you may have a different look at the numbers, and the numbers may be absolute.
2: Well, Barry Vaughn's hit more home runs than anyone in Major League history. That's my stance on it. My other stance is this. It's still just a line in a record book. And I understand how important the record book is. No one knows that more than me. However, it doesn't tell the whole story of a player. And I think we should leave it up to our best and most passionate baseball fans on who do you think is the greatest home run hitter of all time. You make your own case, and then we'll figure it out from there. The best part, if there's only one good part from Barry Bonds passing Hank Aaron, is he gave us a chance to examine again how great a player Hank Aaron was. And that's what guys, dopes like me, who are this old, who saw him play, maybe not in his prime, but mid-60s, I remember how great he was. It gives us a chance to, to tell people that. So Barry Bonds hit more home runs than anyone in baseball history But if you want to start to debate who's the greatest home run hitter of all time, leave it open and make your own decision, because I will respect mostly what you think.
1: Certainly the most consistent power hitter of all time. Or since Babe Ruth, anyway. I mean, you know, seven seasons, uh, 30 or more, eight seasons, 40 or more. Right? I mean, the most consistent. You knew what you got when you put him in the lineup, right?
2: Right. Tony, he won an MVP at 23, and go look at the balloting that year. The next, I believe, eight guys on the MVP balloting that list were all end up being Hall of Famers. He also, until Barry Bonds came along, hit more home runs after age 35 than any player in Major League history until Barry Bonds came along, meaning he was great at the beginning, he was great in the middle, yeah. and he, he was great really team. good at the end, too.
1: He hit, when he was 40 years old, he hit 40 home runs, and you go, and then he, you go. oh, that's pretty good. I go, yeah, but it was 120 games. He only played 120 so he, that year. He had 40 he home he runs. He
2: 500 times, and he hit 40 home runs. You know this <laughs> number, because I've used it a bunch of times. Take away all 755 homers. He still got 3,000 hits. Don't ever yeah. forget what a great base runner he was, and I did a little unscientific poll of the greatest defensive players of all time 20 years ago, and Hank Aaron was voted the third best defensive right fielder ever that's how Clemente was. was one he wasn't
1: right Clemente was uh, one
2: Clemente won. Clemente was one yes and yeah, Aaron yeah, was yeah. third that that's really impressive he wasn't just a home run hitter he's obviously one of the great complete players of all time
1: thanks Tim thanks for waking up appreciate it talk to you soon
2: oh, okay Tony thank you
1: Tim Kirchner boys and girls always upbeat we'll take a break Ann Hornaday will join us when we return I am Tony Kornheiser you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show this is a ZipRecruiter ad. The best teams start with great talent, but finding the right people can be a challenge. When it comes to hiring for your business, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right candidates for your team fast, from healthcare to manufacturing to business services and more. And now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Tony. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to send you the most qualified for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you, and you stand out from the competition. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate to the site within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, listeners to this high-quality podcast can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. ZipRecruiter, I ought to spell that for you too. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, these are the mixed apes this is called Carson's Growler. Isn't a growler a kind of beer? Isn't that a size of Container. a beer? Yeah, That's right. That's what that is. Yes, um, is about, and
0: it's, yeah, it's about beer, I believe, this song.
1: Wonderful. That's wonderful. Andy McBride sends us in. He and his brother are in Denver, and they're playing music. It says, our best to the gang, especially Nigel. Working with monkeys is no small task. <laughs> Michael, if any
0: people out there like the Mixed Apes, Want to send in their original music? How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornessershow and you might find an empty growler rolling around the back seat of a Subaru. Oh, is that right? Is along that on the way to get refilled? Is along that with some kombucha?
1: Yeah, is that what they do? Oh yeah. Subaru owners. Okay. Ann Hornaday joins us now, and we're going to talk about movies that she's seen, and I'm going to talk about just coincidentally how happy I am that I got um, sort of a circular from SAG after yesterday, which which is. Every other page lists a movie and says you should vote for it for best this and best that. And we'll get to that. But higher on the list is uh, the passing of Cloris Leachman at age 94. Cloris Leachman, if you're my age, you know her from an Academy Award winning performance uh, in The Last Picture Show. One of the great movies of all time, The Last Picture Show. And you know her from The Mary Tyler Moore Show as well where she played Phyllis, and she was in Young, Young Frankenstein, and she did a whole bunch of things. What I didn't know at all was that she competed in the Miss America contest. I had absolutely no idea about, about that. But you bring to the table some personal recollections that I think you should share with people, Anne.
3: <laughs> well, they're they're secondhand, um, but we're both from Des Moines. Cloris was from Des Moines, as am I, and so... You know the leachman name is Legion in that town. Um, they own a really prominent lumber yard, and I went to school with you know I probably heard me nie- I would imagine her nieces and nephews um and my dad dated her for a little bit
1: <laughs> whoa 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 whoa, so let's go happened. back on that <laughs> sentence. Let's just stop hey, the you. tape hmm? let's go back on that sentence and let me repeat huh? what you just said. My dad dated her for a little while. go ahead.
3: And I can't remember, and I tried to call him to, to confirm this. And he was busy, of course. He's like, I'll call you back. Um, <laughs> this is my wife. Uh, they both went to the same high school, and they also they both attended Northwestern. And so I don't know if it was at Roosevelt High School or if it was at Northwestern. And David might even be too – you know, I think he they, they went out. I don't think that they went steady necessarily, but – the, and I never, I met her only briefly, only in Pat. I like bu- literally bumped into her in an elevator once and, um, you know, when I was doing a press junket somewhere and I introduced myself and she was delightful, but, but my parents were actually very close with her sister, Claiborne, who was a fantastic cabaret singer. I mean, just one of the greats. And so she, I really did know, cause she would come to New York to do her gigs and, you know, we would usually try to have lunch or something like that. And she was just a stitch, but, um. Incredibly talented family, my goodness, and when Cloris died the other day, I was kind of, you know, looking around online, and somebody, had, she had studied with at the actor studio back in the day, you know, with all the greats, and um, Marlon Brando said she was the best actor he'd ever worked with,
1: apparently. When you bumped into her, and you said who you were, did she ask about your dad?
3: Well, she was, you know, it was one of those, I just, it was one of those out of left field, you know, Uh the last thing you're expecting and there were people there and she was with her people and I, you know, so I don't think it was, (laughs) it was probably not the time or place to, you know, go, but she was very, very lovely and she said, oh, how, yeah, she probably did say, How is your dad? And she knew my mom too. I mean, everybody went to the same, you know, they all went to the same high school and stuff. She was a little bit older. But so they might not have overlapped for that many years. But no, she was she was very, very, you know, glowy. I mean, she was just absolutely stunning that woman. I mean So I was just,
1: hoping I was hoping for this sentence. Oh yeah, does your dad still have that nineteen fifty three Chevy where the seats recline? <laughs> I was sort of <laughs> hoping for that. <laughs> Wouldn't
3: it be great? Look, I'm gonna I'll get the tea. I I'm gonna definitely talk to him this week and I will get all the tea and if there's anything juicy I'll I'll share it the next time we talk. But no. I think it was um he never he never made it out to be more than a few a few you know taking her out okay. things. I don't think it got that okay. hot and heavy. But
1: okay, uh, so you know, I got this circular. So. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I got this to- circular yesterday. Sag after. You know, you probably are you in you in Sag after? I'm in Sag after. So I get these things, and every page is you know for uh, actor of the year, best supporting actress, best actor, best, actor, best director. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Five Bloods, The Midnight Sky, Prom, movies I've never heard of, Pieces of a Woman, Malcolm and Marie. I mean, literally every page does this. You've seen this a number of times in your life. Hillbilly Elegy with Glenn Close, close in, a, in a look that you've never seen before. The Life Ahead, stuff like that. And it remind me, and Nigel even said to bring this up, there's going to be an Academy Awards of some type. But nobody's seen any movies. You know, it's, how, do they, how do they get the nominations? How does it work? How does it work this year?
3: Well, you know, in a funny way, it's working the same way it does every year, which is they're sending that stuff out, and they're sending out screeners. And because I'm not in SAG Africa, but I'm in the Broadcast Critics Association, and I'm mm-hmm. getting all that stuff, too, in that version. And they are still sending out, DV, you know, the gold-fashioned DVDs. Um, so in a funny way, you know, it, it, you're right that we don't have, I was talking to somebody, a a consultant about this the other day, actually. Yes, the movies are coming out. They're coming out on streaming. People are quote unquote seeing them, even though it doesn't, but it doesn't feel like it because we don't have that big theatrical, you got to see it this weekend one, you know, that's what we're missing with, with, I mean, among other things with theaters, like, it's that theatrical opening that creates that sense of momentum and that kind of Oscar front runner and you know that award season heat. And so now, it's all online and like most of those titles that you just named are all Netflix titles, by the way.
1: Um, are they? So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah,
3: and so like they're there and people can see them. Um, and they and some of them are actually opening in theaters. I mean, you know, theaters are still open in Virginia, and so when we do our reviews of those, we're telling people they, if they choose and they want to go to a theater, um, you know, they are making them available in theaters for a week or two and then going to, you know, either simultaneous or before they go to streaming. But, and this is why I kind of feel like the theatrical business, even though I know it's on the ropes and it's been, you know, battered and beleaguered, this is the value of a theatrical hope. You know, theatrical openings still do create that kind of awareness that, the great soup of streaming just can't, you know, it's just impossible to almost impossible to, um, you know, find any signal within that noise. So, but they're there. If I mean, if, yeah.
1: If you're in the movie business, if you're a producer, I don't mean an actor now, if you're a producer, if you own theaters, if you're, if you're in that pipeline of the movie business, how do you make any money? How do you make money now?
3: Well, I mean, you know, what you do is you're, you're you're developing. Look, what this year taught us, if anything, I think, is that people, what did they do? They gravitated to visual storytelling. What are we talking about? We're talking about all the things we're watching, you know, and we're, a lot of them, yes, a lot of them are series. That is true. So I, I think a lot of them are probably developing series right now because there's, you know, mm-hmm. if you hit, mm-hmm. if you get a Queen's Gambit. Um, or now the hot one on Netflix is Lupin, or Lupin, I don't know how you pronounce it, but, I mean, we are craving that kind of experience, and that kind of, you know, and, uh, so I don't, I, if anything, I think this year was kind of a proof of concept that visual storytelling is still hugely important to people, And I st- and I think that goes for movies, too, but I still think that there's a place, you know, with movies, I think people were conditioned to look to that theatrical, you know, the theatrical opening is when I write my review, you know. The theatrical opening is when the stars do their interviews and stuff. You know, there's, there's a certain kind of, um, tech, you know, a morphology that occurs that I think is still pegged to that theatrical piece, which when theaters reopen, and they will, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be changed, but I still think there's a place for them. And maybe that's why we're not talking about movies as much as we're talking about series. Yeah.
1: Have because you watched have any movies? movies?
3: I mean, there have been good movies that have come out. Yeah, I, mean, I was just not... going to
1: ask you: Is there anything you've seen in the last month or so where you say, "I really like this. This is really good. If you can see it, go see it."
3: Well, um, yeah, and there's one that's actually coming out called *Nomadland*, which was my favorite. You know, and that that kind of did that did the traditional awards um, festival circuit in the fall last year, and they, they decided to hang on to it and open it, like, I think in the next couple of weeks. That's with Frances McDormand, who's just absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This new one, Promising Young Woman, with Carey Mulligan, who, you know, kind of hit the scene in that movie in education. Um, yes, I remember. Really, you know, interesting, interesting, provocative, funny but really dark, and um, I think, you know, pointedly political movie, really well done. I frankly, I like the George Clooney movie, The Midnight Sky. Um, it's everybody's mileage may vary, but it's, um, you know, he directed it and he's in it. And I thought it was just incredibly well executed and really absorbing. There's a couple of little moments that didn't quite work as well as others for me, but I thought it was really, really well done. Uh, what else? What am I missing? What am I missing? I mean, you Is know, the there's...
1: Denzel Washington movie with Rami Malek uh, and Jared Leto, is that any good?
3: You know what? That's the one, and it's sitting here on my... Um, oh, you haven't seen I it have yet? I have not seen yet, because okay. I'm, I'm quote-unquote... I'm calling you from Park City, Utah. I'm, I'm actually doing Sundance this this week and oh, next week, so okay. I've been kind of, I, um, yeah, I was way late, but yeah, I, I, am intrigued by that one. I'm very intrigued by that one.
1: Um, I mean, I, I look at these ads, you know, in the SAG After Bulletin. I look at them, and they all, they all look good. I just flipped on to Nomadland. Yeah, that, that's here. She is a great actress.
3: Oh, She's great. It shows you what a great McDormand. actress can do. I mean, she just holds that screen like no other. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Oh, one, you know, and I did. I really did enjoy Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, by the way. That's is that is an amazing yeah. movie. Um, one Night in Miami, um, about the, you know, about the night when Cassius Clay and Malcolm X and Sam Cooke and Jim Brown were in a motel room after Clay won the world heavyweight championship in sixty. I think it was when he 64? beat Liston.
1: Be listening for the first there time. There you go, yeah. exactly.
3: Um, yeah. No, so there's, you know, yeah, there is good stuff. Mank, a lot of people love Mank. I, I wasn't as crazy about it, but uh, you should ch- So what's your deal? Like, do you not do Netflix at all?
1: I don't watch anything. No, honestly, I, I just watch sports for a little while, and then I go through the HBO channels that I have or the movie channels that I have, and I land on something like the other night. I watched 20 minutes of The Peacemaker, because I love George Clooney, and that was when he was in his action hero phase. And I really liked that movie. I watched 20 minutes of Rain Man. You know, if I ever land on broadcast news, you know, I'd stay with uh, that for 20 minutes. Uh, They're movies I've seen, though. And, and, and if I see, if I get at the beginning, and I, I said this to a friend of mine the other day, the first 20 minutes of every Mission Impossible movie are <laughs> tremendous. After that, true. you can stop.
3: After that, you can't follow <laughs>
1: it. You have no true. idea what's going on. Now but I the know. first 20 minutes, you go, oh, my God, this is great. So those, that's what I, I do. Those are
3: good movies, actually. Those are really good movies. I, I, I've very much enjoyed those movies against all my better instincts, but I do. I do. They're very well executed. Why, well, you should try some of these new ones, Tone. I don't think I
1: belong to Netflix. I don't know. I don't think I belong to any of these things. I know I don't belong to the Twitter or the Hulu, so I don't <laughs> I don't We're know. The Hulu, the Voodoo. Yeah, I don't do that. Who
3: do you do? Um, Thank you, Ann. Go ahead. It's a pleasure, of course, as always.
1: It's very, very nice to have you on. We'll do it again. Enjoy Sundance. Thank you. Say hello to Robert Redford. I'm Tony Kornheiser. We'll get out of here. (laughs) All right. We'll have email and jingles when we return. And again, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're
4: listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: You're one of a kind, and so are your taxes. That's why TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver, and you have questions about what qualifies as a deduction. Maybe you want an expert to walk you through the process, since most of your income last year came from freelance jobs. Or maybe you'd like to hand the whole tax filing process off to an expert while you perfect your banana bread recipe. That's hard to say, banana bread recipe. It's hard. I like the idea of it. It's just hard. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert do the filing for you, TurboTax Live tax experts are here to help, giving you the confidence to know that you're one of a kind, uniquely you taxes are done right into a TurboTax Live. I've said this before. I really like the ad. I know why we're going to do it a lot lately because tax time is, you know, up until April 15th. The banana bread recipe, I understand what they're trying for there. It's just a little difficult to read. But – it's very good. You're listening to the
4: Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: Making grilled cheese today.
0: I think I'll make it. Michael's way, he's no late
2: but he seems to be quite the foodie duke's works they say a jar of almonds yeah that's also okay Get <laughs> on,
5: no.
1: It's Joe Arrow. It's brilliant. But what cheese? It's take did on you me. Use? It's just totally brilliant, Joe Arrow. <laughs> it is. It's totally brilliant. Uh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad for us, Nigel? Yes, thank you, Mr. Tony. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then stop on by, and you will be thrilled. Michael, very excited today. He's getting lox and cream cheese to take home. I guess that just about does it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, stop wasting my time. You know what I want. You know what I need. Or maybe you don't. Do I have to come right flat out and tell you everything? Give me some money. Give me some money. <laughs> that, I assume, is from the Rob Reiner movie. I assume. Yes. Right? I think it was, of course I it, think it was. Spinal Tap, and I believe they performed as the Tinsman at that point. I could be Just wrong. Just so great. Thanks to our guests today, Tim Kirchin and Ann Hornaday. Thanks as well to our sponsors today, Brooklyn and TurboTax, Zip Recruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. The next time we do this show, there's going to be 14 inches of snow on the ground here. Jesse's going to love it. From Mark Fine, she's going to have to learn to go out in the yard, not on long Jesse walk. Jesse is now <laughs> sleeping next to me underneath the chair. She loves you. She's a great dog. From Mark Feinstein. I just had my very own David Aldrich moment as I was scanning stories about my favorite football team in the Post. I came across a story about Martin Mayhew. The byline was our dear friend Richard Justice, which delighted me to no end. Richard recently left MLB.com, where I had the joy and privilege of calling him a teammate for the past four years. He has entertained me for years with stories of his time covering Joe Gibbs' teams, but seeing his byline on a current Washington story made me giddy. I will forever have fond memories of working with Richard, who always seemed to find that next one nugget that made his story stand out here's wishing our dear friend success in his next chapter whatever that might be yeah richie is is freelancing now um and we uh, what i said to nigel was find out what he's comfortable talking about you know find out yeah. what he's working on and let's put him on if it's not baseball if it's something else fine or if it's baseball fine
0: now mark are these <laughs> one-year deals for the nats going to work out
1: yeah that's we would
0: like Got a to find new catcher out. apparently yeah
1: andrew vogel spokane washington a friendly reminder that in 21 seasons, Tom Brady has been to 10 Super Bowls. In that time span, the Browns, Bills, Lions, and Raiders have made the postseason 11 times combined. Furthermore, Tom Brady has been to the Super Bowl in 47% of his seasons, and that Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of this generation, is a 43% three-point shooter. Tom (laughs) Brady is more likely to go to the Super Bowl than Steph Curry Curry is to make a three-point shot. Uh, From Steve Young, not that Steve Young, but Steve Young. I stumbled across a great TV show for music fans called simply Classic Albums. I don't know that. Among the episodes being Meatloaf, Bat Outta Hell, your pal Jimmy showing off his songwriting on this genius album. Besides his musical chops, you can also be jealous of his crazy full hair. By the way, I was recently elected mayor of Benicia, California. Can I be the official small town mayor representative for the show? Sure. Uh, From Glenn Kokomon in Huntington, New York on Long Island. There are so many things I would like to talk to you about, like running into Scottie Pippen in a men's room, or going to Notre Dame with Tierney's Uncle Boo while playing lacrosse for her other Uncle Kevin, or waking up very early one morning to Sal Palantonio asleep on my couch. Wow. But I digress. The thing I need to share with you most is my own recent David Aldridge moment. I was innocently thumbing through a copy of Newsday, yes, that Newsday, and I came across a picture of one Elliot Olshansky of Comac in the People on the Move section. I shouted out to no one except my dog. I know that guy, only to be met with a quizzical stare. Thanks for listening. I'll hang up and listen. Elliot Olshansky. Fantastic. From William Newland. I feel like I have enough relevant comments to warrant an email. Sorry for the length. I'd like to second your indictment of Jacksonville as a backwater outpost. Honestly, that might be generous. I went to Jacksonville in November to cover the Georgia-Florida game for Athens' is The Red and Black, and my God, the Hamlet was in full form. Ridiculous political and or religious billboards, streetlights that didn't work, two narrow highways, barely potable water, and a minor league team named the Jumbo Shrimp. Cool. That's uh, not to mention the column of rats that sprinted across the street ahead of my girlfriend as she picked me up from the TIAA bank field. The only thing that distinguishes it from the backwater outposts lining the South Georgia route from Jacksonville to Athens, a persistent coffee smell from the enormous Maxwell House packing plant downtown, which I liked. Second, a note on Hank Aaron. Like many young ball players from Metro Atlanta, Mr. Aaron was an inspiration to my brother and me. The connection was maybe even stronger for my brother, also named Henry, and also born on February 5th. Growing up, I wasn't aware of the hate Mr. Aaron endured on the road to 715. In the era of love for Andrew Jones and Edgar Renteria, that hateful insecurity never crossed our minds. Not a week before Mr. Aaron passed away, my brother and I chatted about how hey, he will always be the home run king. It's not a generational thing, it's a baseball thing. He'll always be a hero of ours, a hero of Atlanta, and a hero of MLB. Very nice. P.S. My aforementioned girlfriend had me try pumpkin pasta sauce on raviolis once. Do not do this.
0: <laughs> Barely potable water.
1: From Tony Beeson. Dear Michael and that other guy at the opposite end of Uncle Benny's table, this past Saturday I purchased a limited edition art print depicting the famous Hogan Bridge and a number 12 green at Augusta National. The artist is named Jim Fitzpatrick, who apparently specializes in golf-related paintings. Heretofore, I have been unacquainted with his oeuvre, I have decided to hang it above the piano. Yes, that piano. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage is unaware. Let's keep this our little secret. It replaced some dopey picture of flowers in vases or some such garbage. I will I will wonder how long it will take for her to notice. It's lovely, isn't yeah, it, Michael? You can almost
0: hear the birds chirping.
1: It's lovely. From Gordy in San Diego, California. First time, long time, non-Subaru owner with another connective tissue story for you that doesn't involve urinal encounters with celebrities. I'll save it for another week. I recently took a trip with a woman whom I'm yet uh, to be related to by marriage, where my goal was to get her family's blessing to pop the big question. No, it wasn't condiment related. Being a native of small town Michigan myself, it was intimidating to ask a family of Long Islanders, Freeport to be exact, Freeport on the South Shore, the hometown of Dick Schaap, um to ask them the big question. Her mother was an easier convo. Dad was tough, but the last person in the trifecta was her brother. I got up at 5 a.m. to catch her brother before he left for work, and I asked if he'd be okay with me marrying her sister. To my surprise, he not only said absolutely, but also, quote, it'll be great to have another little around. <laughs> we're set for August nuptial with a longtime friend and em- recent emailer Tommy Greenless from Walnut Creek is my best man. In case you were wondering, we'll be wearing Indochino and using the code. Keep the podcast and laugh coming. It means more to you than you know. Isn't that like marrying a girl and her brother is a little, just so great. From George Sinclair in Dublin, Ireland. While listening to Friday's show, I was stunned to hear references to your trip to Ireland. I'm sorry, but I understood it was in the canon of the show that Mr. Tony's trips abroad were limited to Lillehammer for the Winter Olympics and Barcelona and Seoul for the Summer Olympics. Now we hear about a trip to Ireland and Scotland. Does this mean that at some point, before the fear of flying took over, was Mr. Tony some kind of Anthony Bourdain world traveler? I look forward to your tales of your adventures in exotic locations, such as Addis Abeda, Ababa and Kuala Lumpur. No, I've, I've never been there. Uh, I... I think Khalil is living in Kuala Lumpur. Am I right about there or Malaysia? I think she's in Malaysia. I think Malaysia. I think Malaysia, okay. In Malaysia, yes, yes. Stan McKeon in uh, Mornington in Victoria, in Canada, being from. I'm sorry, it's not. Well, it's it's Australia then, not Canada. Australia, because the first sentence says being from Australia. I've always been fascinated by the grilled cheese. Growing up, we had a machine that would make a toasted sandwich. We called them snack ups because of the brand of the machine with filling that would divide the bread along the diagonal to create two triangle-toasted sandwich pockets. Strangely, we did not normally put cheese in them, but instead jam, canned spaghetti, or baked beans. All of these combinations would come out at 1,000 degrees centigrade and scorch any part of the body that liquid (laughs) would drip on. A few years ago, we visited Portland, Oregon, and I had my first grilled cheese from the grilled cheese grill food truck with the slogan, Come by for a taste of your childhood unless your childhood sucked, and then we'll let you have a taste of ours, which is a really good slogan. It was on my list of places to – that's the slogan. It's really good. Let me do that again. Come by for a taste of your childhood, unless your childhood sucked, and then we'll let you have a taste of ours. It was on my list of places to revisit as I was going to be flying over from Melbourne for a week to see the Portland Timbers play two games and try to squeeze in a Mariners game in between, but, of course, COVID and all that. Thankfully, Australia seems to be heading in the right direction. We've now gone 20 days in Melbourne with no new local cases, and we're starting to get decent crowds back to sporting events. Hopefully, things in the U.S. improve soon. Isn't that nice? That's Isn't a lovely that nice?
0: email. Now with the new strains that showing up in the low
1: country. Oh, yeah. that You've got the Brazilian or the South African South strain South African. There. From Phil DeCido in Rome, New York. That's in upstate New York. I think it's pretty near Syracuse. Mr. Tony, feel compelled to ask a couple of food questions that I've not heard asked yet. One... How do you like your ravioli, regular, medium, or al dente? I think either al dente or medium would be fine. Besides soup, what is the appropriate side for grilled cheese sandwiches? Michael, you have any thoughts on that? If possible, where
0: does Michael stand on grilled ham and cheese, thin or thick sliced ham? Uh, For that sandwich, I'm going to go with a thin sliced ham, and obviously you want to put on a nice crunchy pickle and, and a little bit of Dijon. Speaking of we're talking about, you know, families, wives, childhood sandwiches. Now that the boys are in their their full PB&J phase, do you know what Liz ate as a kid every day after school? No idea. Jelly sandwich with a slice of bologna on top. That's horrendous. Disgusting. That's just horrendous. Horrifying. Jelly and bologna? Who Jelly made that? Did Moni make that for her? I think she made it herself. Oh. She laughs at me when I bring bologna home. It's just terrible.
1: <laughs> and and uh, this is for you, Michael, from Marilyn Jackson, about the Zaxbys in Virginia. The closest one is in Chantilly on Route 50. Oh, also Blacksburg, far. Bristol, Charlottesville, Danville, Lynchburg, multiple locations in both Richmond area and Tidewater. I do that as a public service. For all of you out there, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. And if I'm you're in white to- on Monday, so- hold it, hold it. If you're on white on Monday, you're just going to blend in because it's going to be 16 inches of snow here.
0: Go ahead. I'm going to solve. All right. Solve.
1: Corno cabinet. No, you're an idiot. <laughs>
5: It's been a long cold winter sitting on the shell. I need a minute baby to collect myself It's been a long cold winter sitting on the shell. Yeah
4: Glad you sat right down. My name is Carson with a K. I'm the broom master of this here town. And if you don't believe me, well let's put it to the test. But first you should know I've been to the Boise Microbrew Fest and I've enjoyed the spicy pico from every organic taco truck. I've been to Satan and the falafel. I just don't give a flip. And I'm holding court in this here sport that fellas are calling cornhole, where if you lose the devil gets your soul. I I'm Carson but everyone called me genius when I created a new beer with pine and coffee bean plus I added Xanax and a ground up cougar tooth and called it smiley cypress it was 87 proof so careful there fella well, I've this funny game yeah beats or sarsaparilla and give it a stupid punny name so meet me at high noon in the dusty streets of Durango we'll drink a beer with snake venom and eat some chimichangos I master the malt and hops and barley. Uh, I don't smoke my Navajo elkhorn peace pipe no more, hardly. I much prefer the notes of pretense and apricots. That's right, apricots. Coupled, of course, with some avocado tots. So fill them up, bartender. Here's a couple growlers. I'll take one with the you do voodoo and one with a night growler. So tilt them on back and pour them real slow. Now, one last thing, bartender my tots with avocado. we we'll